Hi, this is Richard Vargas, and we're here with Advancing the Cause podcast, the official podcast of IFC International. Today, I have with me uh, Jeremy Estrema. He's a pastor out in Colorado, and so, hey, Jeremy, thanks for coming and joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited, too. So we're going to be talking today about evangelism and discipleship, mm -hmm. and I know that's something close to your heart, but so that everybody that's listening, in case they don't know you, can kind of get a sense of... Um, Maybe a little bit about you, your background, and mm -hmm. some of the things that the Lord has used you in and uh, in ministry. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, I grew up uh, an altar boy. You know, I was, if anyone was going to heaven, I thought it was me. <laughs> you know, my brother was the uh, drug addict, but I was the good kid. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I just remember somebody who had a real heart for God who came up to me in college and, and shared the gospel with me for the first time. Mm. And he used to tell me my nickname was Guido in college. And he said, <laughs> he said, you know, Guido, I'm praying for you and I love you. I said, please don't pray for me and don't love me. I don't need either one of those. Wow. And um, but watching his life and his heart for the gospel. And uh, after a year and a half, I got saved and we became roommates. Hmm. And we actually moved into a dorm just to share the gospel with others. Wow. And that's where it really started, mm -hmm. uh, our, our heart for seeing people come to Christ because somebody loved me and prayed yeah. for me, and, and that's how it began. Oh, that's incredible. And so um, you're at college, and then so you weren't obviously, because you weren't a believer, not studying for ministry. So how did you get into ministry? So um, believe it or not, across the street from my house, so I'm going to college in Alabama. Al no, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm um, living in New York City at the time okay. with my dad. And across the street was a bar okay. that a missionary turned into a church. Wow. And my uncle used to get drunk in that bar. <laughs> He's oh. like, I got drunk where you go to worship God. You know? <laughs> and, and the pastor was very evangelistic, obviously a church planner. And he said, you know, you need to learn Spanish. So why don't you go down to South America? And so I graduated college, and I went down to Peru on a short-term mission trip for a year. Okay. And it was there preaching Christ where Christ has never been named. We were knocking door by door. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? Boy, I want to do this with the rest of my life. Yeah. So after that year, I went to Bible college um, and got my MDiv at Faith. Okay. And really, it was in, 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 in studying Romans. Mm -hmm. in Greek class, okay. <laughs> going through Romans 1, and I'm praying, God, do you want me to be a pastor or a missionary? What do you want me to be? Because I, I made a big difference between the two. Um, and I'm just preaching how Paul wanted to go to Rome, but he couldn't. Yeah. He said he was hindered. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, what hindered Paul? And then I see it in Romans 15, that he was preaching the gospel where Christ was never named. Mm. And I said, wow. I says, God, take me to be a missionary. Anywhere, I'll go anywhere. And, and it was there that the Lord really gave me a heart for the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I, I praise the Lord for that. Yeah, so you went on in the missions uh, field, yep. and where did you serve the Lord? And now you've got Spanish under your belt, and so yep. you obviously go to a Spanish-speaking country. Yes, yep. And so, I mean, I could have went anywhere, but God opened up Argentina, mm -hmm. and there was towns that never had a good Bible-preaching church, mm -hmm. and we ended up in Beja Vista. And we started a church there in Beja Vista, Buenos Aires, and... And, um, and, and by God's grace, you know, sharing the gospel there. And so that's where we ended up. We lived there for nine years. Okay. And it was really hard, but we left the church, and, and uh, it's doing well right now. Praise the Lord. It's all God's. It's God's church. Mm. But we, we were there. And what I found out was funny. <laughs> Here I am saying, I'm a missionary. I'll never be a pastor. I hated the word pastor. Don't call me pastor, please. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a missionary. And I found out by starting a church, hey, you're pastor. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> and really, it was the church that formed me as a pastor. 
not the seminary. You know, they taught me how to love the people. They taught me how to pray for the people. They taught me how to be with the people. And I go back to them and I tell them, you guys made me a pastor. Mm. You know, and so that's where, um, you know, helping being a pastor came about too. Yeah. So where's your current ministry right now? So I'm at Whitefield um, in uh, south of Colorado Springs, where the furthest south you can go. Okay. And uh, we're in an IFCA church, mm-hmm. uh, and I praise the Lord for that. Um, it was an IFCA church before we got there, okay. and, and it was a church revitalization work, but um, very gospel-centered uh, right now, and I'm thankful for the Lord for Amen. that. Amen. So how long have you been there? So I'm in my eighth year now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so let me ask you this, because as a revitalizer, as a missionary, as a church planter, all these things, um, for me, it's kind of frustrating when I start talking to pastors and they're talking about uh, their church growing. And one of the questions, kind of probing questions I ask them is, how is your church growing? Are you seeing people come to Christ? Yeah. And usually I get a kind of stunned look on their face because what I know and I'm hoping isn't going to come next, but I usually see come next is we are growing but it's usually people that are looking for a good church in their area, right? Everybody <laughs> yeah. else is bad. We've yeah. got the excellent church, and, and we're preaching the Bible, and nobody else is. And that may be true, and that's yeah. kind of a legitimate reason for people to look for a church. But it seems like a lot of churches are um, are not evangelizing. Right. They're not evangelistic, yeah. and they are growing, but it's a transfer growth. And, and that's something that, uh, for me, is... You know, not a healthy indicator of a church right, if you're right. growing, but it's not by evangelism. Yeah. Um, you know, can you speak to that? Or as, you, as you're seeing that, you're a church planter, right. you're a revitalizer out there in Colorado, and uh, and I'm guessing that you're not doing that. You're not necessarily out right. handing out flyers to your church in front of the neighborhood church down the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's amazing because you know our prayer is God give us those who are unchurched or underchurched. I would mm. call them. Um, that in a church that they cannot grow in and really um, and so yeah you're right and and really to take the pressure off of pastors because mm-hmm. we can't save anyone right we, we, we share the gospel as hard as we can I could present yeah. it every way but unless God does it I can't mm-hmm. save anyone yeah. so what I wanted to do and I read a great book on evangelism and and, and what really helped me out with this was create a culture of evangelism in mm-hmm. your church you know, and that that's divided into three different parts. One, it's sustained evangelism. Mm. I'm out in the community. I'm coaching sports. I'm being with the people. That's sustained evangelism. Then there's some kind of special evangelism. Like there is times when we'll do like a, a, a trunk or treat or a different things to do mm-hmm. special evangelism for the community. And then the seasonal evangelism. And the seasonal evangelism is those big days, the, the Easter's, the Christmas, the, mm-hmm. the Mother's Day, the Father. Make those evangelistic events where people can invite friends over. And by God's grace, and this is only God, we're getting people coming to our church. We have uh, a group of sound believers. Mm-hmm. We have a group of people who are struggling in their faith. And we have people who are searching. Yeah. And that is exciting. Yeah. And, and so we are seeing people get saved, mm-hmm. not as much as I would like, sure. but every few months. And I mean, save, save. Because people <laughs> say, you know, I, mean, I have a profession of faith and then we never see the person again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, people saved, baptized, growing in the Lord. Amen. And it's just, it's exciting to see that. Yeah. Uh, but it's all God. But creating that culture of evangelism, mm-hmm. doing what we can do. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our part. God has to do his part. Yeah. And, and so we're seeing that. And that's really exciting. Yeah, that's that is exciting because 
And uh, sometimes people only think of one aspect of that, you know, yeah. and, and they'll see, you know, we did that. We tried that. It didn't work. Right. Almost as if God is not powerful enough to continue to save. Right. And uh, although we're cessationists, we do believe that God still does miracles <laughs> in bringing new life. Amen. He is the one that is changing people, taking them out of the darkness and bringing yeah. them to the yeah. to the kingdom of his son. And so uh, it's a wonderful thing to hear when that's happening. Yeah. But it's just not happening enough. I mean, yeah. I, I wish it was happening in more places. Yeah. You know, you also described kind of that um, that the, the, there's people that are, are mature and they're growing, and then there's people that are new and they're and they're and then there's people that aren't even believers yet. And I think that's a healthy thing, right, yeah. for a church. Yeah. If everybody is like, you know, the same, or they're all immature, or they're, you know, it, you you that's not really the way life works. I mean, they should right. be at different stages. Yep. And, um, and I think that's important for the life of a church because then it allows what I also wanted to talk about, which is not just evangelism, but sometimes we, we stop short. Yeah. You know, some churches are super evangelistic and, right. and they've got all these programs and all these things happening. And, uh, and they may not be, as you said, save, saved. They may just be making some kind of confession in the moment, maybe the you know the evangelist at the door put his boot in there, and he wouldn't go away till you you <laughs> sign on the dotted line, right? And and of course they don't show up or they don't grow anything. But it's not just we preach the gospel, but it's that we make disciples, right? right and right, so yeah. why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you're thinking and maybe how you practically do this at your yeah. church? So yeah, I mean that's that's so true. It's not that we just want to see him saved. Yeah, we want him to be like Paul says. I have birth pains, so you're formed in mm. Christ. And so how can we help them to become more like Christ? So what we do, what's worked in our church, is we use uh, MacArthur's study on the fundamentals of the faith. Okay. I love that study, 13 yeah. weeks. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and just going through it, I meet with them every other week, yeah. so it's not every week. Mm -hmm. um, and we just go through each lesson through that. And I've done that, um, and, and that's really worked. Now I'm doing discipleship with... Um, some of the leaders in the church mm -hmm. were going through uh, Wayne Grudem's 20 Things That Christians Should Know, okay. and that's a doctrinal study. And so you want to meet them where they're at. Yeah. You know, people say, I got to use one study with everyone. No, it's not. There's yeah. people all over the map. And so we can use different things, and mm -hmm. we have a wealth of material. We got the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> we got the yeah. wealth of material to use. And so I've used different things. One of the main things I've used is the fundamentals of the faith. I mm -hmm. found that to be a really good starting point yeah. for a lot of people. Um, but if they're more mature in the faith, I will try to do something different with them. Yeah. We go through different books. I use a lot of nine mark books for leadership. Mm -hmm. And we uh, study different books um, together. We actually, in the church, we have the book of the month. Mm -hmm. And so we give out to people and we tell them this. Don't just take the book. Mm -hmm. Read the book and talk about the book with someone else in the church, right? And, and, you know, really look through it. So we try to put good materials into the hands of the people. Um, and then uh, Wednesday nights, it's more of a personal time as well. We're a smaller group. We study and we go through Proverbs. We go through Revelation. We've gone through different books mm -hmm. in the Bible. And so we do group, but we do personal as well. And, um, and I really, I love that. Sometimes I tell people, <laughs> I enjoy this more than preaching, you know, <laughs> as much as I love preaching. Yeah. I love being in a small little group of one-on-one, -on -one just going through the Bible and talking yeah. through issues with people. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, that fundamentals of the faith, uh, workbook, it really has them digging into their own Bibles. Yep. And, yeah. you know, when you're talking about, um, new believers, it's, it's doctrinal, but it, it makes them, I, I've found that. New believers don't even know how to use a Bible. 
yeah. and and yep. getting them in their Bibles and, and it's like I don't even know where this book is and they go to the you know it's always fun to watch them go to the table of contents and they're looking down the list and like oh that's that what is that Philippians Philippians yeah, all yeah, right yeah. and then they go there and then they look up the reference and then they start filling in and it just they need all that introductory stuff we forget that yeah. And then, of course, that's that's the milk of the word, but they need the meat too. And yeah. so, on that other end, you guys are using crudum, and that yeah. those are those are wonderful things to remind people of. Mm. And then you said something was really key: is we're addressing situations and things in their life because yeah. it's not just about getting content into their heads, right? Yeah. It's it's connecting that to their heart. Right. And so, um, do you have any maybe ideas or thoughts for any any of our listeners that are thinking? Well, I, I get that. It, the teaching part is easy, you yeah. know. I think that's where we all excel in. But yeah. how do you practically, um, I hate the saying, but people talk about doing life together. Right. Um, how do you get into people's lives? Paul referenced being like a, like a mother, a nursing mother, and as a father, and yeah. how he gave everything. Right. How, how do you guys practically uh, work that out at your church? Yeah. So I, I try to tell the people, you know, I want to be both two things. I want to be both active in your life and approachable. Mm. And so you can approach me. And um, the wonderful thing about technology, you know, I, I always wonder, how would it be pastoring 30 years ago yeah. when nobody could send you a text, <laughs> when you can actually lay your head down at night and go yeah. to sleep without worrying yeah. about the phone buzzing? But really, <laughs> technology has enhanced discipleship. Mm -hmm. Because I can send messages where God's, God's touched my heart and just be personable with people. Yeah. And I really think that that's a big part of, of doing practical discipleship. Mm -hmm. Is I, We're not you know going through a book of the Bible or anything. I'm just sending a couple of things here, and we're just interacting through text, yeah. being active in their lives and, uh, and being approachable. You mm -hmm. need me, I'll stop. And it was interesting. Just recently we had a guy say, he goes, I've been in a lot of churches, he said, and, and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. This is just who I am by God's grace. He goes, no one's ever stopped what they're doing and came and just met with me mm. like you did. Yeah. That's the being the approachable part. That, yeah. that says so much more than just, hey, you need to, let's do the funnels and make faith at 3 o'clock on Tuesdays. Right, you right. Know, it, it's being there for them. Yeah, yeah. and you know, that's, it's kind of shocking, but that's really where our culture has moved, and that's where our world has moved is uh, people um, more and more are shocked that a pastor will yeah. meet with them and talk with them and spend time with them, go to their own home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you asked about 30 years ago, if you go a long, long time ago to the time of the Puritans, and, you know, there's still the classic book out there is Richard Baxter's Reformed Pastor oh, yeah, yeah. and his doing the rounds of meeting in the home of every individual in his church in Kidderminster massively changed Kidderminster because he got into their lives, you know, and I think that uh, that's discipleship. That's what it the is. apostle Paul did. Yeah. Right. And, um, it's just, it's so important. I think it's critically important. Right. Another thing too is interesting. I don't, I don't invite people into my office like to have a discipleship. Mm -hmm. I found that that's kind of intimidating, mm -hmm. you know? I, and so I say, and I love coffee. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> let's go meet at a coffee shop. Yeah, you know, and we'll go to different ones, and uh, and we'll meet. We'll have a Bible study there, okay. um, and it, it's more open. Now we do pray in my office on Sunday mornings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it's 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 you know we live in a world now that you know we we go and do things in different places, you know, and flexible with our schedule and work around theirs, and mm -hmm. it just means the world to them. Yeah. and so we try to do that as much as we can. 
Yeah, that's that's great. Um, you know, as as you're thinking about what you do and how that affects the people that you are really connected to in your church, um, you're one person. Right. I mean, you can't do that for everybody. And as the church is blessed and grows, right. the needs increase. Yeah. Uh, going back to Richard Baxter, he realized he'd only make one visit per family per year because it was just too much. And so how do you overcome that? Or, or maybe what have you seen work or read about that, um, expands, um, the ability to minister to an ever growing group that you still want to care for them. You want to love them. Um, but you can't do it all. And, and it's not good anyways, because you know, your time is finite on this earth. And it may not be that, the Lord takes you to heaven, but it may be he takes you to another ministry and then everything collapses. So have you thought through that and, and how have you maybe worked that out? One of the benefits of being a missionary when you first start off is that your prayer is that God would help you work yourself out of a mm. job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so when you go into a ministry like that, you try to do that. And one thing that really impacted me, the first ministry I was ever in, I was under a man, a godly, very godly man. And he divided his church up into care groups. Mm -hmm. And each deacon there you know, in that church had a care group that they took care of and all that. So what we do in our church is we divide, we divide the families up into different care groups. And we okay. have elders and deacons that are in charge of each care group. Okay. And, and by God's grace, I, I would like more to see this more, but we do have people doing discipleship. Mm -hmm. Um, and do have people caring for others. We have a guy who meets with military people. Saturdays, he has them in a home. We have a guy who meets with a guy on Monday, and then he's meeting with another guy. So we have people doing discipleship yeah. in the church with other people, and that's exciting. Yeah. So we try to just, and I ask them, how's your care group? How, how are they doing? What are the spiritual needs? What are the physical needs? Mm -hmm. And the hard thing is communicating to the church, hey, these are the people in charge of your care group. Yeah. Of course, I'll try to be there, but these are the people that are in charge mm -hmm. of your care group. We, we do that. We break it down into that. Yeah, that's, I mean, so important because we think about the role of a shepherd is to know his sheep. Yeah. But sometimes the flock gets so big, you got to divide the flock up into smaller flocks and then assign some more shepherds, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and that's great. That's incredibly important. Well, I mean, uh, this has been very interesting and I think very helpful to a lot of people. Uh, any, any last thoughts that you might have or some stuff that would be maybe helpful or any resources that you've come across that uh, you've already mentioned a few you've, yeah. uh, fundamentals of the faith and you mentioned some things like that 20 questions from Wayne Grudem but anything else that maybe you would like to share with our listeners that would be helpful to them they're really looking to be more evangelistic yeah. or they're wanting to really uh, ramp up their uh, discipleship um, anything that you want to add yeah so uh, you know there's a there's a guy and I want to give him a shout out if I can mm -hmm. um, and, and you know I'm sad uh, is it Bergmeier? Bergmeier, right? yeah, the yeah. ABWE. Yep, ABWE. What an excellent guy. Mm -hmm. and, and he has what's called living the mission, mm -hmm. doing evangelism without doing more. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we think, if I'm going to evangelize, I have to do more things. Right. And he says, no, no, you don't have to do more things. You just have to be faithful where God has placed you. Mm -hmm. my, my favorite verse on evangelism is Acts um, 17, 17, where it says that Paul went into the marketplace and preached to the people who just happened to be there. Yeah. <laughs> How did they happen to be there? Right. God put them there. That's it. Yeah. And so he talks about in this, and this has really encouraged my heart, is that you identify the people who God has already put in your path. Mm -hmm. You pray for them. Yeah. 
you engage them and then you try to share your story the best way to evangelize mm -hmm. is to share how god has saved you yeah and share your story and we're all unique and, and and we share the gospel through that i remember the night i got saved mm. i'm in this uh, small little group in college secular college in alabama where there's more <laughs> cows than people and i hate cows <laughs> believe me i hate them and this guy, he preaches Romans 6.23. And I remember it vividly because he writes it on the wall. He says, for the wages of sin is death. And I'm sitting there and I'm captivated. And he says, and then he draws this valley. And he says, people try to get to God by doing good works and being good people, but they never can reach him. Mm -hmm. They're always going to fall on their butt. But, and he kept saying that. And I'm like, I'm laughing. Wow, you know, in your college, you hear the word but. You're like, oh, but. <laughs> you know, but. The gift of God is eternal life Amen. through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And boy, I'm sitting there and I'm captivated. And he says, anyone here tonight want to accept Jesus? Mm. He had me. Yeah. You know, and so I tell people, here I was. I thought I was a good guy. I thought I could do it. And here comes this guy and he preaches. And he, he just, we're just in a little small group. And he draws the diagram. Mm. And he says, this is it. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that's for you if you want to accept it. So share your story. We all have a story. Amen. And so he talks about that, which I love, is you identify the people in your life. You pray for them. Mm -hmm. And then you say, God, help me to share my story with them. And it's amazing how he opens up doors yeah. to do that. We don't have to do more stuff. We just need to be faithful with the people that God has put in our yeah. path. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, thank you, Jeremy. This has been a great conversation. and Thank you. For yeah, and, uh, you know, it, hopefully it'll be very helpful to some that are, are looking and they just need a little bit of a nudge to get them moving in the right direction. Well, this has been uh, Advancing the Cause, the podcast of IFCA International, and we uh, want to let you know that if you want to know more about IFCA, you can go to our website at www.ifca.org, and there you can find all kinds of helpful resources, information about our fellowship, and even how to join if you'd like to do that. Until the next time, I'm Richard Vargas, the Executive Director of IFCA International. God bless. Bye.